Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Uh, tonight we're going to continue our study in spiritual habits, and as we do, um, I want to draw your attention to something called hyper-awareness. Now, hyper-awareness is actually um, a medical diagnosis, so it's called hyper-awareness OCD, and what that often refers to is just excessive attention paid to external stimuli. So someone who struggles with hyper-awareness or who has that uh, feels as if their brain is fixated on something that is significantly louder or brighter or closer or more persistent or maybe a high frequency that's going on. Uh, something that's distracting more so than it would be to the average person. So uh, while not wanting to pay attention to these things, oftentimes our brains latch on to them and we become hyper aware of certain things. So uh, I'm sure some of you have experienced that to some degree, whether uh, there's some annoying sound in your car, like something rattling in the back seat or in the trunk. Um, maybe you've got a coworker who like has this funny laugh and you just can't get it out of your head and that's all you can think about, or uh, maybe somebody typing on a keyboard, or even the way like lights sometimes flicker. Um, so things like that, that's what someone who is hyper-aware is going to grab onto. Now, in our world, over the past year, we have become very hyper-aware of certain things, right? So We've become very hyper-aware of COVID and everything that has come along with that, whether that be uh, wearing a mask or not wanting to wear a mask or washing hands or disinfecting and making sure you have distance between you and other people. We've become hyper-aware of these things. We've become hyper-aware of our political situation, whichever side you fall on. We've become hyper-aware of conspiracy theories, whether they're valid or invalid, and also hyper-aware of uh, our need to be prepared uh, when a giant snowstorm hits our state. So uh, we've become hyper-aware of all of these different kinds of things, yet I'm not quite sure that we've been hyper-aware or maybe not even aware of what the Lord is trying to do in our world. And when I use that word world, I, I don't mean in an eschatological sense and when Jesus is coming back. I don't mean a great revival sweeping across our nation, though I hope that happens. I don't even mean uh, locally here in our state or the greater Austin area. But I want to ask the question, are you aware of what is going on spiritually in your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, and the people that you see on a regular basis. For those of you who've been in church for a long time, you probably remember the name Henry Blackaby. And you know, of course, his uh, hallmark study, which was the Experiencing God study that came out so many years ago, which by the way, if you haven't done that, you should do it, it's great. Um, but in that study, one of the things that he says is absolutely and totally true is that God is always at work. So whether we see it or perceive it, or if we are aware of it or not, God is always at work. In John chapter 5, uh, we read that Jesus said, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, 
The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So that's John 5, 19 and 20, for those of you taking notes. And so what we see is that God is always at work in the world around us. And so many times we are hyper aware of all of these other things, but what the Lord is asking of us is to be hyper aware of what He is doing in a given situation. Whether that's a meeting room that you walk into and have a meeting with other coworkers, or, or maybe your boss, or maybe you meet with a client and uh, you don't know what's going on in the background of, of their life and how God is uh, shaping and molding their heart and has put you guys in contact that you might have the opportunity to encourage them, to minister to them, to share the gospel with them. And what about in your family? When was the last time you, you had a spiritual conversation as a family and asked, hey, what is it that God is teaching you? Where is, where is he pricking your heart? Where is he molding you and making you into a mature believer? And so God wants us to be aware of what is going on spiritually in our world. But I would also say that we've got to be aware of how our actions affect other people. So uh, Paul was uh, very much a student of this and understood it, and um, he wrote to the church in Corinth, which is going to be our, our main passage tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, if you've been around church very long, you know that the church in Corinth was quite a mess. And they had all kinds of issues that went on. And they actually wrote to Paul and asked him about a few things. And, and then he addressed some things they didn't want him to address. But that, that's kind of how it goes. But in chapter 8, they had specifically requested guidance on what do we do with food that has been sacrificed to a pagan idol and then set before us to eat. Now, hang with me. I know this doesn't have a lot of application here in our world because our conversation is, well, do I want to get the, uh, the prime or do I want to get the sirloin or do I need the filet or do I need the wagyu and just let's just go all the way that end, right? Like those are our conversations. So different conversation here, uh, but I, I want us to notice what Paul talks about. And, and before he dives into that issue, um, he talks about something that's a little more basic, really at the foundation here. And so let's pay careful attention uh, 1 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. All right, so Paul says, before I get to this issue, let's just recognize something here. Just because you have all of the knowledge and you have all of the logic behind whatever issue it is, doesn't mean that you ought to spout off on that knowledge and that logic. So let's talk about this for a minute. We can argue with knowledge all day long. And, and whatever viewpoint you want to have on whatever topic, you can probably find some kind of fact that is going to support that, right? But if you're going to argue with a two-year-old, knowledge and logic is not going to get you very far. 
Uh, my in-laws are in town, and uh, we went out to eat last night and had Mexican food. And of course, we ordered a grilled cheese for Haley, uh, who, if you don't, if you haven't met her, she's this tall, and she is the boss of our family. And um, ordered her a grilled cheese, and of course, she's like half eating it the whole time. And our food comes, and we eat, and and we're done, and we pay the bill, and, and we're all ready to go. And so we've got a box, and we're boxing things up, and she's got half a sandwich left, and she wants to eat that sandwich, but we're all ready to go. And so we say, well, Haley. why don't we put your sandwich in the box and we'll close it up and take it to the car. And when we get home, you can have the sandwich. That obviously didn't satisfy her at all. And and so we kind of go back and forth for a second. And then Brooke says, I'm going to grab the sandwich. You grab the girl and run out of here. And so that's what we did. And we got out the door with only one really loud scream. So I was exiting as everybody in the whole restaurant then uh, turns and looks at us and you can hear her coming in just now. <laughs> um, and so we didn't win that argument with knowledge. And what she needed was not knowledge and logic, but she needed to, someone to have a compassionate heart on her. And so when it comes to issues in the church, the church in Corinth, right? For, for the Corinthians, the strong Christians became proud of the knowledge that they had of this issue and were lording it over the weaker believers there and saying, you know what? We're the ones with the knowledge. We've got it figured out. You guys just need to get with the program. But they needed someone to come alongside them and show them love because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And there are times that we as believers do this, right? And you, most of you have been in church long enough that that you've seen it or, or maybe you've been one of those people and you've got the knowledge. You know the answers, You've got the doctrine, you've got the scriptures memorized, and you begin to encounter someone who has a different point of view from you. And so you begin talking logically, doctrinally with them, but what they really need is someone to wrap their arm around them and say, tell me how you're doing. What's going on in your life? And not someone to preach and to lord it over them. So we've all done that. We've all said or maybe this is just me as a pastor, if they'd read their Bible more and pray more, they wouldn't have these issues in life. Or can you believe they said that? Can you believe they're raising their kids that way? Haven't they ever read the Bible? Or if they would just work harder, if they would just tie to the church and not spend their money on frivolous stuff, then they would have all their needs met. Been there, done that, but that's not what the church needs. So in these situations, we tend to pass judgment on people. But, but God did not ask you or me to be judged. He said, no, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and judge your na- love your neighbor as yourself, right? <laughs> you guys caught that. He didn't call us to judge. He called us to love. And so that's what we're encouraging each other to do here. So Paul picks up in verse 4. Go back to the scripture with me. And, and then he begins to address the issue here. He says, therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that one idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may uh, be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist." Verse 7, 
However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat, as, uh, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So there are several things going on here. So in strict logic, right, like there's nothing wrong with the meat, right? Whether it was just meat bought from the market or if it was meat bought from uh, someone who sacrificed at the temple. Now, I will say that there is some debate among scholars. Some say uh, that there was two markets that would happen. And so you had the market where people are just butchering stuff and they hang it on the side. And then you had kind of a background market where you could go and get meat that was sacrificed to idols at a cheaper price. And so logically, we say, well, why would we not just buy the cheaper stuff? But let's just back up here. If you were a person who had worshipped an idol for your entire life, and then all of a sudden you became a believer... if you go and participate and eat meat that was sacrificed to an idol, I mean, how could you not see that as sinful? It would be like alcohol for us today. Let's say you had a friend who was an alcoholic and um, they had gotten sober and gotten clean, but then you were going to throw a party at your house, maybe a Super Bowl party, a New Year's party, and you were going to serve alcohol. Why would you invite a friend who was a former alcoholic to come and to drink? You're causing them to fall back into sin. And so it's the same situation in idol worship. So there's a little bit of um, uh, background here that we have to understand. And so logically, the stronger Christians say, well, there's nothing wrong with this meat. We can go ahead and eat it, whether uh, we've been invited to a party and that is served before us, or whether we just buy it in the market. Whatever the situation, it's okay. But for those new believers who uh, were still having issues with the idols they used to worship, this became an issue uh, of sin. And so for them, that would be seen as sinful to do. So you see where the conflict begins to happen within the church, and you've got some saying, this is okay, there's nothing wrong with it. And you've got some over here who say, we should not do this. This is very sinful. And so Paul addresses that issue, and he lays it before them. Now, obviously, we're not struggling with that issue today, right? But we have other issues that are very significant that plague our society. With the release of Governor Abbott's orders this week, the question is now, should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask? In my business, in my place of work, when I have to make those decisions, should I require that of my employees and my clientele, my customers who come in, or should I not? Because loving people means that, well, we should wear masks because we need to protect one another. But I, how dare you would infringe upon me because I, why would I have to wear a mask? This is America. This is a free country. Nobody should make me be able to do that. Should I be a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian? Because we we know that, obviously, Democrats kill babies and Republicans are racist. And there's not a big enough Libertarian group to be able to matter. So why be that? Now, all of that, obviously, is not true, but you get my point. We have other issues, and we haven't even talked about the LGBTQ arena We have significant issues where Christians all over the world have pitted themselves in one side or the other and said, I have knowledge, and I've got the Bible to back me up. 
tell me I'm wrong. And so, in the same way that Paul addressed the Corinthians so many years ago, he addresses us as well in verse 9. He says, but take care. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. See, we do have rights. We live in a wonderful country that affords us those rights, that we can be on whatever side of any of those issues or whatever issue it is that you want to bring up. But with rights comes great responsibility. And you and I have a responsibility not to do what we want is best, but to do what is best for the kingdom of God, to represent Jesus. So take care that that right of yours does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Verse 10, for if anyone sees you who have uh, knowledge eating at an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will not eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So what Paul is saying, over and over again, he's asked about this, this issue of meat, sacrifice to idols. It's really just meat. But, but when it comes down to brass tacks, just because we have the right to do something, to believe something, to shout our opinion about something, does not mean that we should. Because you've got a brother or sister across the aisle who's watching you, maybe in the same office, uh, maybe they know you from being in the community, who's watching and listening. And you can either push them closer to Jesus or you can push them away from Jesus. And with every social media post, with every conversation in a restaurant, anything that is out there in public, people are listening and people are watching. So when it comes to any of those things I've addressed or anything that we have Christian liberty in, we are called to lay down our rights for the sake of the, of the quote-unquote weak so that we might not divide the body of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be uh, politically active. We have one of our members is in the mayoral election that is happening tonight. Uh, my father-in-law has been politically active uh, most of his adult life and is currently running for board of trustees for Collin County College. And so these are things we should do, and we should exercise our rights to be able to do that. Uh, Michael Smith, you've been on council. Kristen, you work in the political arena. We have people all over the place who are involved in these things, but it's not the issue of being involved. It's the issue of what we do with the position that we're given whether that be on a football team or a baseball team or a soccer team or in our place of business. And, and so when you think about sharing your opinion on, on something that there is division about, think twice. And I would just ask you in, in humility, just ask the question, what does Jesus want to accomplish through this conversation? And how can I join him? Let us be a people who are spiritually aware instead of so politically aware. Let's ask the question, if I say what I'm thinking right now, is this going to encourage someone to draw closer to the Lord or is this going to push them 
away from the Lord. Paul skips down, or I want to skip down to chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians and start in verse 23. Paul kind of sums up this section and some other things with these great 10 verses that I want to read to you here. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I don't mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. And then he ends with this. So whether you eat or drink, whether you wear a mask or whether you don't wear a mask, whether you're on the right or you're on the left, wherever you are, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. See, it comes back to not only loving God and loving people, but we've got to remember the mission that we are on. Our mission is not to accumulate and accomplish, but our mission is to make disciples of all nations. And if, if it is true that God is working all the time and that he's working in the hearts and lives of the people around us, then, then we've got to be a people who are spiritually aware and who ask the Lord, Lord, let me join you in what you're doing. Show me what it is in this conversation, in this meeting, in this telephone call, and how I can join you. And we've got a people who take very careful notice of everything we say and do, not just so that we wouldn't be offensive to someone else just for the sake of offense, because you bear the name of Christ. You are a Christian, and we are called to be representatives of His in this world. And so, church, I just want to end with this. Just be aware. Be aware of how your actions affect other people. Your actions, your words, they don't just have effect. They have a spiritual effect on others. Again, they can either push people closer to Christ or further away. And finally, be aware of what God is doing in the lives of those around you, whether it be your family or your friends or your neighbors or your coworkers, ask the Lord, where are you working in their life and how can I join you in this? It is my prayer that we would just have the attitude that is modeled for us in the Beatitudes, that we would be those who are peacemakers, that we would be those who are meek, that we would be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would be those who are spiritually hungry, that are spiritually humble. So as we close tonight, 
I want to give you the opportunity just to take a moment and to think about what Jesus is doing in your life and in those, the lives of those around you and to pray about that. And then I'll give you a few seconds here and then I'll close this tonight in prayer. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.